This morning we are going to be talking about integrity. And I want to start off with the definition of integrity. Dictionary definition, I guess. is I don't know about you, but funerals or memorials, they tend to make me introspective. Tend to make me think about my life, where I've been, where I'm going, what I've done, what I haven't done, who I've recently said I love you to, and who I haven't said I love you to recently. And it makes you take stock of your life. When you think about the end of somebody else's life, all of a sudden, reality kind of hits you. And I remember, oh, yeah, I'm going to die too one of these days. (laughs) Because I don't think about that every day. I don't think about leaving the earth every day. But when you. When you have to get stuff ready for a funeral, it makes you think, you're going to be leaving sometime soon. How's your life? Where are you in this spectrum of living here? In Art Talk this morning, it was talking about being caught in, oftentimes we don't get caught doing big things in our lives. When we mess up as Christians, and we're not out there usually murdering people. Well, I don't know about you. I'm not out there. (laughs) Nobody said yes, so maybe... Are we sitting here with a room full of murderers? If we are, just I'm gonna I'm gonna excuse myself, and you guys, <laughs> all of well, yeah, you can say that, Carl. But if everybody's here to murder, I'm leaving. <laughs> anyway, I mean, we, we're not out there committing murders, right? But we get caught doing the, or sometimes don't even get caught doing the smaller things. That's where we get tripped up. Like Art said, you get tripped up on the small things, not not really sometimes the big things. Although sometimes we do get caught in the big things, but oftentimes it's the small things that get us. From day to day, the small things pop up, and we tell a white lie here, or we do a little something here. Nobody will know. It'll never come to light, and maybe nobody ever will know. But you always know, and God always knows. So when we're talking about integrity, we're going to be talking about a life that is lived so that when God looks at our life, we don't have to say, oh, yeah. We're living a life that is full of integrity. Now, here's the Webster's de- Dictionary definition here. The quality or state of being complete. And then gives wholeness as a synonym there. Which is interesting because the, the Hebrew word translated in the Old Testament for integrity, it literally means whole or complete. So, integrity, being whole, being complete. Integrity by its very nature implies consistency. It means being sound, faithful, truthful, through and through, top to bottom. Integrity is one's life, in one's life, means that truth characterizes their whole life. Would you say that's you, right off the bat? Could you raise your hand and say, I am a definition of integrity? I'm trying to work on it. (laughs) Okay. That's a truthful answer. I'm trying to work on it. That's a truthful answer. I, I don't think I could do that, too, because, you know, little white lies, little little things you, you do or don't do. Or there's, there's little things that you're ashamed of when you snap at somebody or and just little things. I'm not living my life this, with this wholeness, with this completeness that I should. I, I, I borrowed a story from another famous preacher, Chuck Swindoll. Some of you probably have read a lot of stuff from him. But he says it's a true story, so I borrowed it because he said it's a true story, and I don't have to worry about looking it up. See, there's my integrity. I didn't want to have to... I'm taking his word for it. It's a true story. It says it happened... What's that? You're going on Chuck Swindoll's integrity. 
Exactly. Yeah. And, and he's infallible, right? So oh, yeah. there you go. No. He, he says, it happened in Southern California, in the Southern California area. A man went through a drive-thru at a chicken restaurant. The man and the woman went through and they ordered chicken, like a four-piece dinner. And it was handed to them and they drove off. Come to find out, the man who was filling their order had taken a box where they had emptied the proceeds from one of the cash registers. And there was eight, over $800 in cash in that box. And that was the box that they handed to the man who went through the drive-thru. Well, the manager was beside himself. He said, we'll never see that money again. And that would be a, I mean, if I was the manager, I'd probably think that too. You got away clean. $800. You go buy a chicken from some other store at this point, and even better chicken, right? Well, when the couple stopped for their picnic, opened it up, he realized there had been a mistake. The man closed the box, drove back to the chicken place, and said, there's been a mistake. We got a box full of money. The manager was so impressed, he said, that's fantastic. I never thought I'd see it again. He said, let me call the newspaper. I want your picture taken, a picture of the most honest man in town. The man said, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. We really need a picture, the manager said. You're the most honest man in town. Finally, the fellow took the manager over to the side and said, you don't understand. The woman I'm with is not my wife. I can't take the picture. Very honest man with money, but uh, in some of the other areas of his life, he's slipping. <laughs> he's slipping. But have, have you ever gone back to a cash, or cashier and they've given you too much change or something? Have you seen the look on their face sometimes? Sometimes it's, it's I'm, I'm amazed you even came back. Yeah. Why, would that, why, why should that be a look on people's face? When we do the right thing, it shouldn't be that, that, oh, I'm amazed you did the right thing. Maybe it's because we have a lack of people doing the right thing on a regular basis in this world that people see somebody doing the right thing and think, that's out of the ordinary. That should be more ordinary. But in this world, I don't know if we can expect that to actually be the ordinary thing because that's not the nature of man, the nature of the world. I want to share a couple of bad examples of integrity, and they're all examples you know, so follow along with me. Go over in your Bibles to Acts chapter 5. You probably already know, since I said Acts chapter 5, what I'm going to talk about, right? Yeah. Who, who am I talking about in Acts chapter 5 for integrity? Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah. You already know the story, right? Yeah. You already know. Let me read it really quickly and refresh your memory about some integrity that is not quite up to par. Here's another guy that would have to take the manager aside and say, hey, that's, that's not my wife. <laughs> but a certain man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the piece or some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down, breathed his last, and a great fear came upon all who heard of it. And the young men arose and covered him up, and after carrying him out, they buried him. Now there elapsed an interval about three hours, and his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter responded to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, yes, that was the price. Then Peter said to her, why is it that you have agreed together to put the spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they shall carry you out as well. 
And she fell immediately at his feet, breathed her last, and the young men came in and found her dead. And they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Oh, man. Now, that's, that's instant justice right there. I'm, I'm glad that that does not happen today to me. I'd be dead already, to be honest with you, if that happened to me. As a young man, I, I was not very honest, not very... Not very full of integrity. I'd be already laying at somebody's feet. I'm glad that doesn't happen. Now, that, that is a bad example of integrity. It, it was yours. Peter says that was yours. You, you could have done whatever you wanted with it, but you decided to lie. You decided to deceive. You're not full of integrity. And your wife, the same way. Now, go over to Matthew chapter 14. Another bad example. This one a little different. In the fact that he's not going to be lying about money. But still, a lack of integrity. Matthew 14. No, not Matthew 14. Sorry, Mark 14 is what I meant. Mark 14. Mark 14. Start in verse 29. And again, you probably once you, once we start reading this, you'll know what I'm talking about because it's getting the end, getting close to the end of Jesus' ministry in Mark here, and Peter is going to say, "I'm going to do something." It doesn't turn out to be so. Verse 29, Peter says to him, "Even though all may fall away, yet what? I will not." And Jesus said to him, "Truly, I say to you that you yourself, this very night before a cock crows twice, shall three times deny me." But Peter kept saying insistently. Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all were saying the same thing too. I like, I like that part that you know, everybody joins in here. We're all going to stand with you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. We're all going to stand with you. But you know the end of the story there too. They don't stand with him. Go over to 66, verse 66, and see the end at least of Peter's part of this. 66, and as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warning him, warming himself... She looked at him and said, you too were with Jesus the Nazarene. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you're talking about. And he went on out onto the porch. And the maid saw him and began once more to say to the bystanders, this is one of them. But again he was denying it. And after a while, the bystanders were again saying to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are Galilean too. But he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man you are talking about. And immediately a cock crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had made the remark to him. Before a cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he began to weep. Again, this is, this is getting down to integrity. Are you going to follow through with what you say you're going to do? I, there's a lot of pressure on Peter, a lot of pressure on the apostles. I get that. But at the same time, they could have. He could have said, yes, I am that man. What are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. He could have said that. But he didn't say that. Because of pressure, because of, of, of being afraid of what was going to happen, because of everything falling apart, his, his master being where he is at the, at the present time. And, you know, everything is probably in Peter's world is unraveling. But you still have the opportunity to do what you said you were going to do. Now that we've looked at a couple bad examples, there's tons of bad examples, I want to show you a couple good examples. Go in your Bibles to 1 Samuel. Here is a good example of a man who is... Being held up as a man of integrity. <clears throat> Excuse me. First Samuel chapter twelve. 
We're only going to read a couple of verses in there because it, it kind of sets uh, the stage of his life here at the end of his life. One through four is, is what we're going to read. And listen to what, what they say to him and what he says and this interchange between them. Samuel says to all Israel, Behold, I have listened to your voice and all that you have said to me, and I have appointed a king over you. And now here is the king walking before you, but I am old and gray, and behold, my sons are with you, and I have walked before you from my youth even to this day. Here I am, bear witness against me before the Lord and his anointed. Whose ox have I taken, or whose donkey have I taken, or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I opposed, or from whose hand have I taken a bribe to blind my eyes with it? I will restore it to you. And they said, You have not defrauded us, or oppressed us, or taken anything from any man's hand. Just in those four verses, the integrity of Samuel. And, and getting, having, having the, the gumption, or not the gumption, but the, I guess the, having the, the yeah, maybe boldness to stand up there and say, Examine my life in front of all of Israel. You all know what I did. And if I've taken advantage of any of you, let me know. And I'll pay it back to you. And think about that in your own life. If you gathered every single person you've come in contact with and you stood in front of them and said, Okay, everybody, I've been upright with you. Is there anybody out there that has something against me? Would hands start going up? Have you defrauded anybody? Would, would your hands start going up and saying, yeah, you, you cheated me or you lied to me? You know, Samuel is able to stand up there and say, I haven't done any of that. And if I have, you need to tell me about it. And the people say, nope, you're right. You haven't defrauded us. You've been honest with us. Another example of that, go over to Luke chapter 19. And look at another example, similar, I think, in ways... As First Samuel there, oops, probably way ahead of me again in this example since I said Luke 19, because it's another one that we all know. Mm-hmm, Zacchaeus. And, there, and there's a lot you could say about this man Zacchaeus. And there's a lot that they walk through here. I mean, verse 1, And he entered and was passing through Jericho. This is Jesus entering and passing through Jericho. And behold, there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector, and he was what? Rich. rich. Don't you hate the rich? <laughs> and he was rich. Rich, bad. Not necessarily, but, you know, rabbinic tradition actually says that this guy is unclean. He's unclean. And so therefore, because this guy is unclean, you can pretty much treat him any way you want to. He's free game. So, so a good religious man can treat this, this tax collector any way he wants to and be okay because this man is this rich tax collector who is working for the enemy. And he was trying to see Jesus or trying to see who Jesus was, and he was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. Now, in, in, in my opinion, in, in the way this is reading and what he has to do, I think that the crowd here, because they can treat him badly, when this short guy tries to get out there and see who this Jesus is, 
They make sure he can't see who Jesus is. They're getting in the way. They're, they're, they're crowding him out. And I think that's, that's kind of how the language uh, alludes to the fact that he can't see Jesus, not because he couldn't make his way through the crowd, but because the crowd wouldn't really be friendly with him and wouldn't let him make his way through the crowd. So he's forced to go somewhere else because they're the good religious people. He's the bad man, and he doesn't have any, have any reason to come and see Jesus. Verse 4, yeah, he's undeserving in their eyes. And he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. And when I was reading about this section here, about him running to this tree, they said that the towns that day would have trees planted about 75 feet away from the towns because underneath the tree you can become unclean. All of these different religious rules that happen with these things. So even, even him climbing a tree is, in their view, unclean. So these, these trees would be 75 yards or 75 feet away, one of the two, from the town. So he's running to get a, a good view of Jesus and climbing up into something that would probably make him even more ceremonially unclean in the people's eyes. So he's gone from an unclean man that you can treat any way you want to, to even more ceremonially unclean, even more undeserving, if you will. And when Jesus came to the place in verse 5, he looked up and said to him, What? You stupid rich man. You're a horrible person. Now he says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. For today, I must stay at your house. Can you imagine what, it, what the look on his face was when he said that? It would be shocking. I'd like to see Zacchaeus' face when Jesus looked up and said that to him. How did he know his name? Yeah, number yeah. <laughs> yeah is my reputation that bad that you know my name? <laughs> but, and not only know my name, but you want to come to my house? You want to come to a ceremonially unclean. Now think about that too. Jesus, in, in the people's eyes, whose house is he going to? A man who is unclean, ceremonially unclean, all of this unclean. He's working for the enemy. And Jesus wants to go to this guy's house. And he hurries down in verse 6 and came down and received him gladly. And when they saw it, what happened? They all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Now the crowd is not so mad at Zacchaeus, and they're not trying to push out Zacchaeus anymore. Now who are they mad at? Now they're mad at Jesus. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possession I will give to the poor. If I have defrauded any, anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. Hmm. There, there is a, an example of integrity coming from a man who in the people's eyes has zero integrity. I'm ready to pay back four times as much. If I cheated anybody, I'll pay it back. I'm willing to give it back. Integrity. It's important, isn't it? And w would you agree with me that it, it is lacking? How many times do you roll your eyes when you hear politicians promise something? Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe you'll do it. Maybe you won't. How many times do we roll our eyes when you hear promises made by companies or things like that? I mean, integrity is not, is not where it should be in this world. You've seen some good examples and you've seen some bad examples. Ananias and Sapphira, Peter, and even the rest of the apostles saying, we'll die with you. They're not going to die with them. First Samuel, Samuel, if I've cheated you, let me know. 
Zacchaeus, who has cheated and will definitely probably be paying people back, is willing to do that because he sees what he really wants in Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to do something today. Today's going to be a different lesson, what's already been a little different in terms of no video at the beginning. I don't know if you noticed that. No video at the beginning. Feels a little different. Today kind of feels a little different, so everything feeling different will be fine, right? <laughs> but I'm going to ask you to do some self-examination today. I want you to look in, in, in yourself today. And I, and I put together some, I put together four songs that I'm going to have Ron play. I'm going to sit down and, and we're going to, he's going to turn off the light up there and the songs are going to play and feel free to sing, sing along with the songs. But what I really want you to do is I want you to think about integrity. I want you to think about which side of this integrity scale you're on. Are you, are you at that point where you're saying, yeah, Jesus, I'll die with you, but then you turn and run? Or are you on the other side where you can say like Samuel did, Hey, if I've cheated anybody, let me know. And, and people will say, no, you've done what you said. You haven't oppressed us. Are you like a Zacchaeus or are you like Ananias and Sapphira? You can get down to the very smallest things in our lives. Are we being honest with ourselves at the very smallest places in our lives? Are we walking with integrity? I'm going to give you, it's about a 10-minute video just to let you know. About a 10-minute video. So if you, if you want to do some reading, if you want to do some praying, if you want to do some singing, or if you just want to sit there and just think about integrity, am I actually doing what I'm saying? Am I living the life that I'm saying I'm living? Not just Sunday mornings, not just Wednesday nights, but every day of the week. I'm gonna t- we're going to take 10 minutes here, and we're just going to think about that. At the end of that 10 minutes, I'm going to get up and I'm going to kind of close... Uh, the, the lesson, because I think when, whenever, whenever we tell a lie, whenever I tell a lie, I know my integrity takes a hit. Even if you don't know the lie I told. If the lie I told is only between me and me, and of course between me and God, my integrity still takes a hit. I am dealing with the inside integrity there. I, I, how can I speak confidently about my Lord when I'm constantly lying to myself. When I constantly lie and cheat myself, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be the messenger for God that I need to be. I'm not going to be living the life that I need to live. I'm going to be living a life that constantly condemns myself because I am constantly at struggle with my own integrity. And I'm going to be fighting me inside of me. I may be fighting God. You may never see it. But I might be sitting here Sunday morning thinking, there's so much more I need to take care of. There's so much things, so many things I need to take care of. But then, you know, the sermon's over. The songs are sung, and we walk out of here, and we just, okay, I made it through. And then Monday, we start lying to ourselves again, and lying to ourselves again, and then we just gloss over it again. Maybe there's that stuff inside that none of us will ever see on each other's faces. You'll never be lying to me. But you're beating yourself up. You're destroying yourself from the inside out. That's what I want you to think about this morning. Whether it's outside or inside, wherever it may be, the integrity of the Christian is vital. So let's take 10 minutes this morning. Just commune with God. Just 
pray, think, sing, whatever it takes to think about integrity in you.
the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We have seen his glory.
That's a little different, isn't it? Mm -hmm. A little different to just take some time out in the lesson and pray, think, sing. You guys know how crucial integrity is. I mean, I'm not telling you guys anything you don't already know. Most of the time, I'm not telling you guys anything you don't already know. I want to share with you one last thing. Psalm 32, as I close this lesson. We all know integrity. We all understand what it is. We all know we should have it. We can all, most of the time, recognize it when we don't or when others don't. But it's one thing to recognize it. It's one thing to say, yeah, we need to have it. And it's another thing to live it on a daily basis and be consistent. And be consistently people of integrity. Psalm 32. It's an interesting psalm. It's one written by David. It's one where he's lamenting about his sin with Bathsheba. And listen to the words that he says. He says, verse 1, How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Amen? Amen. Whose sin is covered. I don't think you can overlook that verse. You can't just blow by verse 1 because how blessed is forgiveness. Man, how blessed is it to be forgiven? When you receive forgiveness from somebody else, that weight that's lifted off your shoulder. When you ask for forgiveness, that weight that is lifted off your shoulder. And then think back to when you gave your life to Christ. That weight lifted off your shoulder. And then on a daily basis, when we need that weight again lifted off our shoulder, who's ready to lift that off our shoulder? Jesus is ready. And how blessed is that? How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute Iniquity. And in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away. Through my groaning all day long. For day and night, my hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained as with the fever heat of summer. Silent sin. Heart disease, diabetes, those are all called silent killers. But what's the real silent killer of human beings? It's sin. That's the real silent killer here. The lack of integrity in David, staying home when he should have been out, taking another man's wife, trying to cover it up with murder of that, man, that, wife's, that woman's husband, and expecting... I don't know what he was expecting. But keeping silent about that, can you imagine? I, I know I've been silent about some of my sins and the nagging, the, the reminders that you get inside yourself about you have not taken care of that. I can't imagine what David was going through with adultery, murder going through him. But it's no different for you and I. When we keep silent about our sin... Our body's going to be wasting away from the inside out. You may live the rest of your life and look exactly like you do, but your body inside may be dead if you don't take care of your sin. I acknowledge my sin to thee, verse 5, 
and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and thou didst forgive the guilt of my sin. Confession and refuge in the Lord there. It, when, it, when I read this, I remember back in the garden, Adam and Eve trying to play hide and seek with God. First game of hide and seek, really. Because they've done something they know is wrong, and now they're going to hide as if they could hide from God. But we still today try to play that same hide and seek with our own sin and try to hide from each other or try to hide from God. And it, it's going to end up the exact same way. God's going to ask us the exact same question, whether he asks us whether we answer it here or we answer it in eternity. God's going to say, who told you you were naked? Who told you? I know what happened. Verse 6, Therefore let everyone who is godly pray to thee in a time when thou may be found. Man, that's a good question. When is God not going to be found? When would God not be ever found? God's always there. He's always around. But David says, let them pray when you may be found. Maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's before you don't have another chance to talk to him before, you know, the end comes. It may also be that your heart gets so hard that you can't find God anymore. Things get so overgrown with those scars that you don't even look anymore. God's there, but it's like He can't be found because you're not looking. You don't even want to look anymore. You're done. A lack of integrity will lead us to that kind of life. Like I said before, that, that integrity inside ourselves where, where we know, I'm the only one that knows, but I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to build those scars up over time. It could come to a point where I'm just not worried about it anymore. I don't care anymore. I've scarred myself up so much, it doesn't matter anymore. Verse 7, Thou art my hiding place. Thou dost preserve me from trouble. Thou dost surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way in which you should go. And this is, I see God, David's crying out, and now God is, is answering David in his own psalm here. I'm going to instruct you and teach you in the way in which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding. Look at, look at what, how he describes people who are doing that. I have been that mule. Have you been that mule in your life? That dumb mule that, that is, has got no understanding. Whose trappings include a bit and a bridle to hold them in check. What do you, what do you think that bit and bridle is here in this, in this scenario? Yeah, I, th I think it's the sin. Whatever it is that's holding us, that, that is holding us in check. Holding us in check. It's, it's, dis it's telling us where to go. And, and we're just like dumb animals moving, moving whichever way it wants us to go. Otherwise, they will not come near to you without that. Verse 10, many are the sorrows of the wicked. But he who trusts in the Lord, loving kindness shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy all you who are upright in heart. Integrity is important. Integrity inside of us is important. If we cannot be honest with ourselves about our relationship with God and with each other, then we can't be good witnesses of Him outside this, these walls. And, and this world is severely lacking integrity, and it's probably always lacked integrity. 
Because man, we like to get over on each other. We like to do what we like to do. It's a very selfish world, and it's always been a selfish world. It always will be, will be a selfish world until Christ comes again. But His people are not to be that way. His people are people of integrity. His people are people who are in the Lord, not in the world. This morning, I've asked you to do some, some different things. I've asked you to take stock in your own life there. I don't want you to let your lack of integrity end up here in Psalm 32, where that sin just eats away at you. That lack of integrity just eats away at you, and you are no longer an effective soldier for Christ. If we are going to show the world what integrity looks like, then it starts here. It starts with us. It starts with you and me. So I'm going to ask you today. I know you've already taken stock of that in those 10 minutes, but sometimes that's not enough. If you need the rest of the day, take the rest of the day. Pray. Do what you need to do to find out what is, the, what is the problem here with my integrity. Why am I lying to myself? Why am I hiding my sin? Why am I not being honest with God? It starts with us. Let it start with you today. Ask yourself those questions today and be honest about the answers as we stand and as we sing.